Hi, welcome to 1001 Books, the podcast where we read the 1001 books that experts say you're supposed to read before you die and decide if they're really worth your time. I'm Nicole. I recently have fallen in love with the space opera as a genre. And I'm Chelsea. I'm a lover of any fantasy with a strong female lead and a new mom desperately searching for time to read. <laughs> um, we're here to talk about our book 73, Rameau's Nephew. But before we get into it, have you read anything else recently, Jessie? I did. I recently listened to um, the audiobook of the new book by Jeanette McCurdy that I'm glad my mom died. Um, and it was, I thought it was really, really good. It was, it made me very, very sad um, because of all the trauma that that mother really caused in that woman's, in Jeanette McCurdy's life. And I also felt like, uh, it maybe was a picture of what happens to a lot of child stars mm-hmm. and why they end up being so fucked up. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I thought it was really interesting and it was a nice, um, it wasn't like an easy listen cause there definitely was a lot of like hard things happening, but it was a nice like listen and it was read by her, which was really nice. It was a nice autobiography kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever, um, watch, like, I think last year it came out on Hulu and it was like a, documentary thing with all this footage that Salil Moon Fry is that her name something like that yeah had take take took back in the 90s when she was like first when she was a famous teenager no so she like back then so she was like in a sitcom in the 80s as a little kid and got really famous and was really famous in the 90s and um she like hung out with all like the set of people that you would recognize like yeah famous in that age in in Hollywood and she always had a camera like a video camera and was shooting all the time and then she put and then she like put all the footage away for years and she got it out like during the pandemic and watched it and then and then put together this documentary and there's all these shots of people former child stars in their teen years mm-hmm. and um and, and then some of them like went on to commit suicide or overdose or whatever Aww. and it's kind of like a it's 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 her her exploring her own coming of age and like are my memories of that time in my life really how it was like I yeah. felt really connected to these people were we really connected and um I thought that same in the same way it was like oh this is really interesting about child stars yeah 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 what have you been reading lately um I recently read one called the lions of fifth avenue by Fiona Davis and it was really fun historical fiction set in the New York Public Library, like the big one with the lions. Oh, yeah. Um, we've been there. Yeah, we've been there together. We have a picture with the lions. We do. Um, One of them, like one sto- one time frame in the book is like in 1913, two years after the library, that library opened, and then one in 1991. And in both time frames, things are going missing in the library. Like oh, famous things. Like interesting. The only, one of the only 10 copies of this book by Edgar Allan Poe in the world is going, are going missing. And then they're, of course, they get connected like all historical fiction yeah. books who have two timelines do. But it was just really fun. Ha- the mystery it kind of made it stand out to me from the others. And I mean, I, I like libraries. So yeah. I was attracted to it. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, well, uh, on to different sorts of topics what did we read this week um we read Rameau's nephew by uh denise Diderot, uh which was written probably around 1761 and he's a was a frenchman a famous philosopher um and this is one of his only more like prose type things uh and it was actually just like found in his papers after his death uh because he didn't publish it because it 
he was he thought like someone would kill him over it because he was what he was referencing pe- real people yeah in a and ma- being in critical a veil and being critical of the establishment and things um so chelsea if you had to describe this book in one word what would you say conversation yes that is true um, my word's gonna kind of tip the hat a little bit i'm gonna say meaningless not just like we the- could put our two words together to make a phrase to describe <laughs> this book oh yes that's true meaningless conversation yeah. So it's a, it's a very short book, uh, 125 yeah. pages, and um, the kind of the quick plot summary of it would be that there's two men and they're talking in a bar about philosophy and music and the Enlightenment, and they talk and then it, and that's there's it. not a lot. It's not plot heavy, that's for sure. It's just a conversation. It, it reads more like a philosophical text, but I feel like you could tell that it wasn't for publication when he wrote it because there there isn't an editor's eye on it or like a a forming of it to make sure i feel like when you read philosophical things that use the same premise of like a conversation it's very like oh i want this person to say this exactly at this time for this reason to get my point across and this didn't this didn't have that same well and the one of the two characters in it um one of them is supposed to be a stand-in for the author and the other one is supposed to be um, is Rameau's nephew that the book is named after. And he is supposed to be basically like kind of like a, a rich like layabout in that his family is rich and he just kind of floats through and takes advantage of it. Um, the work that his family of composers did. And then he's now recently been like, his family wants to oust him from the family. Um, and he's like basically, going on about things that he everybody needs to have money and everybody needs to have this and then the stand-in for the author is really um trying to like criticize through this character Ramo's nephew people who are anti like the enlightenment because the author was a really pro enlightenment philosopher um and so that's the overarching thing but it just Guys, it, it meanders through 1700s conversations for a long, <laughs> a long 115 pages. Yeah, it's not very readable to the modern, in, in translation mm-hmm. to the modern ear. Who knows what it's like in the original. I French. mean, I feel like a lot would probably still be lost in the original as well because it's going to be old kind of French. Yeah, that's um, true. And just like the, it, it's so much about its context, its time. Um, yeah. That. Even if you were French, you'd be missing some of the context. And it seemed like when I was reading its history of publication that it it got translated and published from its original language, and then it was translated and published in German, and then it's been translated back. So it's been translated hmm. interesting multiple times because... Um, the person who originally translated it in German for its public into German for its publication was Goeth. Goeth, I don't know how you say his name, but the name rings a bell. Who is like someone who did things, things. yeah, writing G O E T H E. Um, and so and he translated it into I think it said German, and that was where it was originally published, which is so weird. So then it was like oh, interesting. Originally yeah. published as a translation, so, um. Maybe something's lost, but I think that's giving it too much credit. <laughs> so the thing about this is that even people who like this, I think this is a work that like people reference or like people who are writers admire people 
for some reason. Um, and But there is a lot of disagreement about what he was even trying to do. And so there's there's kind of four main theories, and maybe he was trying to do all these things. But, like, the first one is that all of the conversation is an attack on people who are the enemies of progress and the enemies of the Enlightenment. So, like, that's in there. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is that there's a lot of reference to music and to um, – two styles of opera that were famous at the time and arguing which one is the better one so like maybe it's just about that yeah and then the third one is that it's about moral values arguing about that um and then the fourth one is that it's it's just intended to ask literary questions so yeah it's all and it's like maybe it's all of those things but that's kind of what i mean where it's even after being famous now for hundreds of years i feel like it's not oh, we don't know what it's about in a, like a, oh, it's so deep and interesting and layered and complex. We don't know, but it's more like a, we don't know what this is about because he didn't actually intend this to be published. And it was just like a writing exercise. Yeah, no, I don't know. That's all I got on this book. Uh, Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, (laughs) I think that this one, I'm baffled as to why this one's on the list. Yeah. Um, just because again, it seems like a book that maybe possibly did something during its time and its place, but it doesn't translate beyond its time and its place. And it wasn't even published in its place in its time. Well, it wasn't too delayed. He did. He died fairly fast. Yeah. Yeah. He died fairly off quickly after he wrote this, but like, yeah. So it's just, it feels I don't know. Sometimes I'm confused by the people of this list because I think that um, this would be an example of people who want to put literature together into a book and they find (laughs) they pull things out like this out of the depths of somewhere and they're like, these are the things you must read. Yes. Um, (laughs) And it's just not. (laughs) Oh yeah, that the way you just said literature made my day. That was great. Yeah. So um, I I agree that I I don't know why it's on the list, and I feel like it's oh man, I I was so lost in that your last comment that I forgot the point I was gonna make. Oh, I was gonna ask you, is there a book that we've read so far that you that it's like the one that you were the most like why why is this on there? Because even. Some of the books that we have totally panned and have thought were terrible and have blocked from memory, I still get why it ended up on the list. You know, like like there's reasons I can see from its context, etc. But yeah. um, this one is one where I'm like, really, am baffled. You know, I feel like Look Homeward Angel. I have no idea why it's on the list. Yeah, that but that one I feel like, if nothing else. It's referenced in other works. Yeah, this you know? one's not even that heavily referenced. Yeah. And so, so it's like I'll give it that at least, even though we, it was. Had yeah, I don't. I don't know. I yeah. And then like we hated the Gorman gas ones, but like, we oh, get those that. are like foundational in the genre. Yeah, no, this one I just really, really am not into, and I don't know why it's on the list. And I just feel like again, they were just digging for something from the 1700s yeah. to be like. Yeah, like the, these older ones, it's a smaller pool to choose from. And I wonder if some of the reason we didn't connect is because Enlightenment ideas that Diderot like put out in the world and was a part of that in that time, they're such foundational, unquestioned ideas now 
Like mm-hmm. the idea that men, we should use reason to solve problems. It's, it's just a basic thing. It's not something that even makes sense to debate, but in the enlightenment, it was being debated, you know? Yeah. And, and it's like, it's like if there was any power in this work, it's gone now because it did it's like people of that era they did the work too well and we hear we their descendants in the west you know like we don't even question some enlightenment things even when maybe we should you know <laughs> like bad yeah. stuff was going on then too right um yeah i mean maybe i think i just stopped trying to find meaning once i was like <laughs> not into it not into it it seems like it's not for me it seems like it's not for the list i think we've given away our answer there does it belong on the list no no uh but i just this yeah you're right this was one of those ones where i was just like huh yeah luckily it was short it was short that was like the only that's why we picked it to read like it was the only thing i had going for but i yeah i'd say out of anything we've read so far this is the one where i most didn't get why someone thought it was important like not yeah. one, one thread of reasoning. Yeah. And it does. I mean, it comes in a, a set, the copy we found with another book by him. Do you think you're going to read it? I'm no, I'm going to pass. I'm going to pass. You don't, you aren't going to read the Alan Bear's dream. No. And what's sad is that here we get the second one automatically, but there was another really great Norwegian book that hasn't, we want to read the other ones and, and it hasn't been translated. Yeah, so we're that's... so difficult. <laughs> Um, you want to just draw our next book for next time? Yeah, let's do it. Dun, 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 dun. Our next book is called, this is a good title, Fugitive Pieces. I. It's a compelling title, Fugitive Pieces. Maybe it's about, like, the slave trade? Oh, like fugitives. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, I like that. I like that. I, it's inter- I mean, pieces of what? <laughs> what? Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued pieces. by the title. Um, it's not a run of the mill title. So no. Yeah. And so we will, we're excited. Yeah. And hopefully it will uh, belong on the list or at least not baffle us. Yes. And we'll have more interesting things to say next episode, hopefully. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I guess until then you can follow us on, uh, let's see at 1001 books podcast or email us at 1000 books podcast at gmail.com. Um, and until then happy happy reading. reading.